Welcome back to the Top Dog Talk podcast. This is Harrison Reno. Guys, this is an impromptu sit-down podcast. I'm not even going to call this an episode. A lot of news has gone down today. I am recording this at 10.20 p.m. on the East Coast. Clemson and Ohio State are at halftime. Ohio State is up on Clemson 16-14 at halftime as the time I am recording this. And guys, there's a lot of news that has gone down since I posted episode one of the Top Dog Talk podcast. And I just thought I had to get on here and speak to y'all because I couldn't believe my eyes today. It was a normal day. Everything was going just fine. And I was getting excited for the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. Georgia's first open practice to the media since I believe November 4th was the date was held today. And I was excited because I thought all the surprises were gone and done for. I thought we knew who was going to be playing, but it was exactly the opposite. Kirby Smart, when he touched down in New Orleans in his first official official press conference since the one he held on the first day of the early signing day period, he made it known that he just wanted to talk about and focus on the guys that were here and the guys that were going to play in the Sugar Bowl. So I thought he was just talking about, you know, the five, six guys that, you know, rather injured or are holding out that we knew and expected. Well, today, after this open viewing, 15-minute viewing period, there's a whole list of Georgia players that are out. And I have that list. As we all know and expected, the expected absentees were both tackles, starting tackles, Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wilson. Both were not there. Then we all knew, kind of found out about Brian Harrion. I did want to talk about him on episode one, but I decided not to because I couldn't confirm the report that I was reading about. So I didn't want to discuss that. I didn't want to speculate on anything. But that is kind of interesting that Harrion actually will not be will not play and is not there and has been away from the team um, ever since the LSU games. That's surprising. Then we knew about right guard. Ben Cleveland, you know, that does hurt. Three offensive linemen hurts. Big surprise, though. Devon Wilson, not there. Demarcus Hayes, not there. Quay Walker, not there. Justin Young, not there. Walter Grant and Tyreek McGee. All those guys, in addition of Tyler Clark, not there. Now, when I saw this list, I didn't see this list until after I heard the big news of the day. Starting safety... He's a senior and the captain of this Georgia defense. Jarrah Reed announced today on on Instagram and Twitter that he would not be playing. He told us that in his letter that he unfortunately suffered a foot injury that would keep him out of the game. And it took me by surprise. I didn't expect for him not to be there. Now, I did see something was up. I didn't know what. Richard LeCount the junior safety posted a picture uh, on his Twitter account of him and all uh, most of the secondary. And I was scrolling through and I saw it, clicked on it. I looked through. I was like, where's J.R. Reed? I noticed he was missing. I, I noticed also Devon Wilson was missing. So I was like, okay, maybe this weren't in the picture. I didn't think too much on it until a few minutes later, I see J.R. Reed uh, posted a something to Twitter and I was like okay that's odd 
not many players are on, you know, social media before a game like this. Well, I knew something was up. I saw a picture of him and I saw a letter. I was like, oh, no, this is not good. Jerry Reed is out, like I said. He says, Dog Nation, it has been an honor. This is, and I quote, it has been an honor to compete for the University of Georgia these past few years. Thank you for all the support. Thank you for all the support. Although it was my full intention to play one last game with my brothers in the Sugar Bowl, unfortunately, I won't be able to compete due to a minor foot injury in practice this past week that has inhibited me from playing. I've decided to rest my body and prepare for what's to come. Nobody's more disappointed about this than me, but I know my brothers will hold it down. I want to thank my family, coaches, teammates, and especially the fans for supporting me 100%. Once a dog, always a dog. Go dogs. J.R. Reed. Jerry Reed has always been one of the most classiest, one of the most down-to-earth, and he's usually, from what I've seen from him, he's quiet. You know, he does his work the right way. He doesn't talk. He just goes out there and play. And I've always loved that about Jerry Reed. I think he's a damn good player. I think he's going to be, he has a shot at the NFL. I believe he's six foot, around six foot, six foot one. He is a little on the smaller side for safety, but I think he can do it. He he has a lot of attributes that will transfer into the NFL pretty well. I think he's just a good, you know, ball, he has good ball skills. I think he can make plays. He's good in coverage. One of the potential problems I, I see with him is his height. Just helping, just trying to help with those taller receivers in the NFL is, is tough for those smaller guys. But I think he will have a shot, no doubt. I don't know if he'll get drafted or not. If he does get drafted, it'll probably be on the last day. So it's an interesting, and I wish him the best. And I hope that the rest of Dog Nation will not be angry at him because, you know, it's a freak accident. You know, injuries happen. And I don't know why, but just reading that he got injured in practice just makes me think, like, is it only Georgia? Is Georgia the only program that players are getting hurt in, you know, practice? It's happened before this year. I mean, Lawrence Cager, his injury, his freak injury happened in practice and it shut him down for the rest of the year. So Georgia just, I think they need to look over. I don't know what's really going on. And we really don't know either what's really going on in practice. But you do have to look at what's happening. Because if your physicality is getting to a point where your players are getting hurt and you're losing your key guys, that's something you got to look over because you don't want that to continue. And maybe it's just it's just freak incidents that and you know those things happen. But if it's continuing, then Georgia needs to look into it. I think this this hurts Georgia. This list makes me a little bit less confident in Georgia's playing ability. We're gonna be playing a lot of young players. We're gonna need a lot of young guys to step up. I'm not worried at safety. Lewis Seen, the freshman, he's a good player. He, he played a lot of big minutes for Georgia this year. He played a lot of big minutes, especially for Georgia against LSU. Which And he did well. He covered, I believe, one of their he – he played as basically the third safety. They, they played a lot of dime, nickel, big nickel packages, and he was basically like the third safety. He was – he replaced one of the linebackers to guard a specific person. I can't remember which one it might have been. Uh, either one of their tight ends or their slot receivers that was really dangerous, a really dangerous player, and he did well. LSU is a good team, and we saw the absolute thrashing of Oklahoma. 
no disrespect to Oklahoma, but they should not have been in that game. I just don't think they should have been in that game. I don't think that was their game to be in. I think there probably were better teams below them that probably could have given LSU a bigger fight, a better fight. You know, a two-loss Alabama team, that two-loss Alabama team is probably better than this Oklahoma team. No disrespect to Oklahoma. People may call me crazy. I think that was just a reflection on the playoff committee. I think there were a lot of, there were a lot of more teams that could give LSU a bigger fight, a, a bigger fight and a better fight. And I think these past two years, they've been down years for the playoffs, for the college football playoffs, because the competition level is not rising. It's it's going down. It's sinking. And I think that's something you got to look into. You know, if you stay at this four-team playoff, you know, th- these things are going to happen because there's always going to be that one team that runs into one of the best teams of all time. LSU is one of the best teams of all time. Now, many will point to, you know, the 2005 Texas team, the early 2000s, you know, the U from the early 2000s. You know, there have been a lot of great teams, but LSU has dominated. They have completely and utterly dominated. Their defense at the beginning of the season was average, average at best, but they have taken it to another level. And I think that is a direct reflection on the coaching and the CEO ability of Ed Orgeron. He is one of the best head coaches at managing a staff, but not over overreaching, not overdoing it, not micromanaging every single thing his staff does. And I think that's a direct credit to him. You know, many many would have said at the beginning when he was first hired that he does not deserve the job full time, that he didn't deserve it. When they lost to, I believe, who was it? Was it Tulsa they lost? Who was it that they lost to? I can't remember who they lost to, but it was an embarrassing loss, and they paid the school. It was a little school. They paid them a lot of money to come to LSU and lose. And it was it was embarrassing. It might have been Tulane. I think it was. I'll have to look into that. But no one thought that he was going to last. And he has completely turned the ship around. It was a 10-3 and team last year. And Joe Burrow, this transfer quarterback from Ohio State, you know, we saw some good things about him, but he didn't look like the guy. He didn't look like he was going to be the one to help LSU win a national title. And I don't think if it wasn't for Joe Brady and Brent and Ed Orgeron bringing in Joe Brady to help Steve Ensmere run this offense, I don't think LSU would be where they are today. And I think that's something a lot of coaches are going to try to emulate over the next few years is a lot of these pro-style teams that are religious to the pro-style offense are going to start having to look in, you know, are going to have to start looking in to maybe bring in a younger coach who knows the Joe Brady offense. And I think, you know, Joe Brady comes from the Sean Payton family tree. I mean, Sean Payton is one of the best offensive minds in the NFL today. And I think maybe that is where people will start looking is at the Saints staff. If, you know, they've had Joe Brady there and he's come to LSU and done all these big things, then, you know, who else is on that staff? that can come down to the college ranks and do the same thing. And I think Joe Brady 
he's being set up for a head coaching job. He's not even the offensive coordinator yet. He he's not even an offensive coordinator. He is the passing game coordinator and he's the receivers coach. He's not even he's not even the offensive coordinator. And he's really he's had a direct effect on this LSU offense. And I think that shows the great management style of Ed Orgeron. I think Kirby Smart needs to evolve and emulate what Ed Orgeron was doing. Nick Saban changed his offense years ago. He made that change and it's helped them for the better. I mean, they've won they've won a national title because of it. And I think it's time that Georgia changes. I'm not asking for a pro style to spread change. I'm asking just develop new concepts and use them. You know, change it up slightly. I'm not asking for a whole new scheme change. I'm just asking to develop what you have. I think they need they need to go to more spread concepts. And that's something that held back the Georgia offense this year is that they were too reliant on the pass, not too reliant on the run, that it directly affected the passing game. They weren't effective. The receivers just not throwing them under the bus. They just didn't have the reps to make the plays that we needed them to make. And that's a direct effect. That's a direct, you know, result is if you're too reliant on one player, one thing like the run, it's not going to help the guys out wide. They've, they've been blocking too long. It's kind of like tight end. You've asked them to block for so long that when you ask them to go in and be a receiver, it, you know, it's kind of like foreign to them. But that's not what I wanted to come here and talk about. I just wanted to talk about quickly the loss, the losses that Georgia suffered from all these players staying home will hurt them. You're going to be playing a lot of young talent. We're going to see some guys step up and play big. We're going to see the Ojalaris of the world, you know, step up and play big for Georgia. And I don't know if I'm comfortable predicting Georgia win. The fan in me says they will, and I want them to, but I don't know. We're going to be playing a lot of young guys. I'm really interested in what Devon Wilson stayed home for. I don't know. You know, we we haven't got much of it. We haven't heard about it. We probably won't hear about it for a little while now. But I'm 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 really interested to see why he stayed home. I believe he's a redshirt. Is he a, is he a redshirt freshman, or is he a redshirt sophomore? Sorry, I I haven't really done my research for this. This is impromptu. I just thought about it maybe you know 30 minutes ago. But I'm really interested into why he stayed behind. If he is injured. That sucks because he he's he's been a star. He's he stepped up for Georgia this year. He's played big. I love Wilson. I think he's gonna be a good player for Georgia. It, it sucks that he won't be able to play in this game because I think this he could have he could have really made some plays for Georgia. Helped Georgia out a lot against this Baylor offense. So Georgia has a lot of has a lot of soul searching to do. The Georgia's coaching staff will have to help out these young guys. And I think if we win this game, it's gonna be because we have depth. We've recruited well. And these guys know what they're doing. And if we win this game, this Georgia coaching staff, a lot of the backlash they've been getting will go away. They'll get more, they'll be getting more credit because there's one thing that this staff has done really well it's recruit and it's bring in good talent. And this is a chance for those players that they brought in that they trust, 
that they brought in to offer a scholarship. It's time for them to step up and return the favor back to these coaches. And I think this is going to be a really close game. You know, I predicted that it would be a one-possession game right up until the end. I still think it will. I think this kind of this big list of absence absences. I think Georgia, if they do win, it's going to be by maybe two or three points. I think maybe Rodrigo Blankenship it will fall to the the boot of Rodrigo Blankenship. I think if Georgia wins this, it won't be by a touchdown. I think it will be by Rodrigo Blankenship bailing the dogs out one last time. And I know every Georgia fan. Would love to see him come in, hit a game winner as a farewell to Dog Nation because he's been one of the most impactful players for Georgia the past four years. So there's a lot to digest. I am praying for the clock to speed up to get to, to, get to January 1st, to get New Year's Day. So we can play this game because I just want all this, you know, all the absences to get out the way, all the surprises to get out the way. And I just want to get back to playing football. And I think Georgia wants to get back to playing football. I think the players are eager to get back to playing. And I think the coaches get back, are eager to get playing. And I think those players, I think they have a lot to be hyped up about, a lot to be motivated about. And I want to see that in their play. I think we'll see that if they come out flat. It's going to be a long day for Georgia fans, and it's going to be a long offseason. So I think it's important that they come out ready to play. They come out amped up and play for the G on their side of the helmet and go win a ball game. I want to see Georgia as the Sugar Bowl champions on New Year's Day, and I want them to be able to celebrate after a long roller coaster season. Go dogs. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening, sitting down and listening to this impromptu, very unorganized podcast. I I don't even know what to call it because there's been a lot of breaking news today and it it has my mind flowing. I I just don't know what to think of all this. It's really mind-blowing. I'm hoping that Georgia comes out ready to play. I'm hoping these young guys will step up so Georgia can be crowned Sugar Bowl champions and can move on to the year 2020 and move on to the next decade and get Georgia a national title. Thank you for listening to the Top Dog Talk podcast. As always, I'm Harrison Reno of Top Dog Blogging. Remember to read more. Go to www.topdogblogging.weebly.com. Topdogblogging.weebly.com. Thank you. Have a good night and go dogs.